The Free for All Roundtable. Round two. On the Roundtable, Rashmi Nair, co-host of The Rush, 2 to 6 p.m. right here on News Talk 1010. Bob Reed, principal at BroadwayStrategy.com, the man behind touchdowns and fumbles on Fridays. And Lindsay Broadhead is here, senior vice president of the Toronto Region Board of Trade. Uh, Let's actually start, and uh, I won't say dispense quickly, but... Um, I don't want to dwell on it too long because I don't like the negotiations going on in public. But I think it is notable that we have learned from some leaks to some of the reporters we like talking with at the Toronto Star that the government is now offering 3.5% to people earning less than $43,000. So we're talking mostly about the special educators. And then the rest would get 2.5%. Bob Reed, I'll start with you. Um, That's some significant movement, but the spanner would be that the government is trying to divide the union into two groups, which I think makes sense, but for the union is probably a non-starter. And I would say the union can't have it both ways because their rhetoric throughout this thing has been about the lowest paid and about the people who can't live on on a salary, whether they're working part time or not. They made the focal point the lower end of their income earning members And so when the government responds and says, yeah, we're going to give those people an extra top up because they need it. Well, that's giving the union what they're asking for. So I think it's uh, it's it's more than uh, more than passing strange for the union to turn around and say there's no way we're going to accept a two tiered response to this. Yeah, Rashmi Nair. I mean, I realize it's how unions come together, but it always has seemed a little strange to me that custodians and special educators are in the same pocket. And I don't think they are the same when it comes to how they're compensated. Yeah, but they're the same in how they're unionized, right? And I think we saw the labor movement show up. And uh, I I take your point, John. I don't know anything about percentages and who's going to win out of this. And I don't think it should be in the public. We have kids back in school. Negotiations are underway. And that's progress. The winner would be if the government actually settled with the union and there was a contract in place. That's the win, right? Okay, last word on this one, Lindsay Broadhead, because we all hope they're going to arrive at a deal. It'll take significant chaos out of the province. Yeah, of course. Um, And this is uh, our our route back. I think it's okay, and I think it's prudent, and I think it's right um, that uh, that the government is being creative and inventive to try to get to a solution. Uh, I think that's what the public wants. It needs to clearly articulate the rationale. There's been a lot of confusion about the data of who it is we're talking about, what these workers are. If that's true, then this is the opportunity to dispel that myth um, and speak uh, very specifically around the kind of workers we're talking about, because they are essential to our schools. They do um, deal with our um, very special students who need special care, um, and some sort of re- resolution has to come. So I like that they're talking, um, and I'm actually completely fine with them speaking about different groups in different ways. City of Toronto is ending its vaccine mandate, and possibly repatriating a whole bunch of people who were forced out during the height of COVID. Um, Reshmi, this strikes me as, you know, again, one of those things where you make some sort of a rash decision about uh, your public employees, and then you have to take it back eventually, and ultimately it ends up costing more money. I don't think it was rash, John. It was two years ago when we got vaccines, and 
we've made progress in the last two years. So uh, anyone who's keeping score on this stuff, I think is really petty. It's winter 2022. It's our third winter with COVID-19. You can have opinions on masking and all the rest of it. The vaccine policies worked. Uh, Some of us are alive because of it, and we should be grateful. We should just move forward with gratitude. Lindsay Broadhead, do you think that this leaves the city and other jurisdictions down the road vulnerable to people saying, well, if if I can work now without a vaccine, why couldn't I work two years ago without a vaccine? I think we're in a completely different medical position. Uh, you know, that's that's what the experts, the doctors are telling us. Where we were then was we were facing a very highly contagious um, virus that um, was killing people and was putting our elderly at risk. Um, it was part of our duty, I think, at the time. And I feel very confident in, in that position and that the work that we did as a collective community um, was good for all. Uh, I think what they're doing now is also right. Um, they're they're you know, making good on the promise that when things got better, uh, and we are in a better spot in some ways, uh, certainly it's less um, deadly, but they're making good on their promise. To your question about does it make it easier in the future if, God forbid, we were to face a similar uh, situation, that's a wonderful question uh, to which I don't know the answer, but I do support what was done previously. And Bob, what's happening here is apparently these workers who were ultimately terminated, uh, quite a few of them are coming back. They will be on unpaid leave, but officially they become employees again. And then they'll be reintegrated into the workforce uh, in a month or so, I think, when the vaccine mandate officially ends. What I find curious in all of this is I have to imagine a whole bunch of these people found other jobs. Well, sure, they won't all come back, but I think it's uh, I think it's a fair way of handling things for those who who do want to come back. And I'll make it unanimous uh, among the panel in saying uh, that the measures that were put in place at the time were the right things, were the the the, the necessary things at the time. We're in a very different time now. It doesn't mean COVID's gone away, but for all the reasons that have already been stated, we're in a very very different place. Then we were dealing with a largely unvaccinated population writ large. Uh, the the threat was higher. The, the ability for it to spread was higher. And so that was the requirement at the time. This just shows where we are in the greater arc of the COVID-19 story. Uh, I mean, look, you, you no longer need to be vaccinated to get on an airplane. You no longer need to be vaccinated to come into the country. All of those things have changed as well as we've moved to the point that we're at. Okay, well, let's stick with vaccines for a moment. And the Alberta Court of Appeal has dismissed an unvaccinated woman's court case. Uh, She needs an organ transplant. She's not vaccinated. Doctors said to get to the top of the organ donation list, you need to get vaccinated. She said no. She sued. She lost. Um, Reshmi, any sympathy here? I mean, it's a sad story, but if somebody's willing to trade their anti-vax position for their life, then it, you know, I guess knock yourself out. I, I trust uh, the healthcare system in their advice. It, it seems that she is uh, able to receive the vaccine. It's not like there's some sort of conflict in her physiology. So I have sympathy for the choices she's making. I have sympathy for her making that choice. I feel bad for her that she can't see a clear way out of this. Uh, and it sounds like the medical community's laid out a clear path for her. Yeah, Bob Reed, uh, she says she's going to take it to the Supreme Court, but uh, the courts generally in the past side with doctors and say if the doctors want to do it this way, the doctors can do it this way. 
And I hope it was a doctor's decision that was that was driving this. I hope it was medical advice based specifically on her case and the risk to her and the risk to the to the donated organ. Uh, I hope that's what was driving this and not just sort of a bureaucratic. Well, this is what the requirements are, period, full stop, because I do have some sympathy for the woman who desperately needs the organ transplant. But at the same time, I'm also wondering why don't you just get the damn shot? If my life was on the line and they said, you can have this life-saving transplant if you take the vaccine, I'd take the vaccine. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing not to fly to Florida at the height of COVID, but uh, dying because you don't want to get a vaccine just strikes me as uh, eccentric, to say the least. Um, Justin Trudeau, as Jerry mentioned, is going to make a special appearance on Canada's drag race. For those who haven't seen the show, it's uh, drag artists who compete every week in putting on outrageous outfits because it's not just about men in dresses anymore. It doesn't appear that Trudeau is actually going to put on a dress. So his visit is just, you know, hey, here comes Justin. Uh, Lindsay Broadhead, uh, as Jerry said, some people are losing their minds, but they always lose their minds when it comes to <laughs> drag queens. But uh, do you think this is going to work for him? I don't know. It's, it's completely on brand for him. We were talking about this in uh, the office the other day with my colleagues when I learned that he was going on. And my first instinct was he really is drawn to these moments of performance um, where he's been so critiqued, but it's kind of just the same story recycled, right? Where he is appealing to a demographic um, that uh, he supports and who love him. Um, and equally, this will drive folks who already hate him um, or already, you know, are bothered by him um, to, to be irate and fly off the handle as they always do. Um, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's why he said yes, is he's he's doubling down on um, uh, his brand, on his image um, and saying this is this is what I do. This is what I believe in. And I'm going to make everyone else crazy, um, which is great. Yeah. I, I say good on him. Reshmi, uh, Lindsay's absolutely right. This reaches back, all the way back to Justin Trudeau when he boxed uh, a senator. And, Jake know, Brazo. Everyone, yeah, everyone said that right. was an idiotic thing as well, but it played beautifully. And I just, <laughs> I, I think if you don't like Justin, then everything he does annoys you. And then you can't understand why anybody likes him in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would suggest that if the Liberal Party of Canada presented anyone to be on Canada's Drag Race, People who love Drag Race would love to see it because they're just liberal minded. I don't know if this is a specific Justin Trudeau fandom, but I love Drag Race. I love all the series. It was really <laughs> fun to listen to John and Jerry talk about RuPaul's Drag Race a few minutes ago. Uh, the series is fantastic. Uh, I love the people who support it. I've gone to some of these drag queens shows when they come to Toronto um, uh, and it's it's a good time. So liberal minded people who see um, anti-trans movements and, uh, you know, crushing of human rights and LGBTQ. They like to see politicians showing up on this platform. I don't think it's Justin Trudeau specific. Also want to point out Nancy Pelosi was on RuPaul's Drag Race as well. So everyone's saying it's the first elected official, like maybe of the first world leader, but Nancy Pelosi showed up too. Okay, I'm not sure. Rashmi, can I go with you next time? That sounds fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I went to see Trixie and Katya uh, during yeah. during the comedy festival. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bob Reed, you get the last word. I don't know if it's an, enough of a thought test to show up on touchdowns and fumbles, but what say you? 
Uh, uh, Lindsay's right. This is this is core to the Justin Trudeau brand, but it's core to the Justin Trudeau brand of 2015. I mean, when he was trying to put a fresh face on the Liberal Party, when he was trying to connect with with young people, with uh, with different communities, you know, the Justin show worked well. But for crying out loud, he's he's been the prime minister for as long as he has now. He doesn't need to try and win those demographics anymore. He's already got them. What what the Justin show does whether it's this or whether it's the you know the costumes in india or the other things that he's done over the course uh, and as Lindsay said he gravitates towards these performance opportunities it does wear thin after a while and i think a lot of people are like oh my god here he goes again thank okay, you there- all like we're out of time unfortunately rashmi but in replique at two o'clock in the afternoon rashmi nair Lindsay broadhead bob reed Catch the roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.